What is going on, everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another episode of the Bird's Eye View Recap, recapping NFL Week Two action. It was a great week of games. I mean, pretty much the over hit in pretty much every game, and like you know, whether you bet overs or not, it still is fun when the overs hitting. There's lots of action going on. Uh, I was actually in Cleveland, Ohio for it. Me and my school friends had a bit of a group reunion. Went golfing. That's right. I played on. I went golfing for my first time ever. Didn't exactly keep score of my of my uh, shots, but it was my first time hitting the links and had a ton of fun. Might might start trying to play it more because golf is fun, man. Let me tell you. And uh, yeah, so I ended up watching the games in Cleveland. You know, a mix of red zone. We were at a bar. Uh, called Wink and Lizard for some of the games. They had all the games on the TVs. So, you know, that, you know there was a lot going on, a lot to follow. Uh, you know, despite being in Cleveland and it was difficult it was difficult to find it, I managed to find my way to be able to watch the Giants-Cardinals game. And, man, let me tell you. Excuse me, sorry, I'm chewing on ice right here. That game... Took years off my life. I mean, so first off, like that that, that that first half was one of the first, one of the worst first halves of Giants football I've seen like ever. Close to last week, like that was comparable. Uh, that first half yesterday was just as comparable to last week's first half. I mean, it's it's the year 2023, 2023, and we are letting James Conner and Zach Ertz destroy this defense. James Conner and Zach Ertz in the year 2023. Like, are you kidding me? I, I, I can't believe that it's, it's not 2018, it's not 2017. Those guys should not be destroying us, but yet they were. I mean, Joshua Dobbs, Josh Dobbs was just throwing dots and trucking dudes. I was dumbfounded. I was bewildered. And look, I was in Cleveland. I'm with my school friends. We mess around with each other. They were trolling me, and, I man, I was pissed. I did not want to hear it. I thought this team was about to go to 0-2 after all the hope, after all the promise of the offseason, with 0-2 staring us in the face. It was miserable. And like, look, didn't expect us to roll over the Cardinals without Andrew Thomas, but I didn't expect that first half. Like, it, it literally felt like I was going to have an aneurysm. Like, six quarters, six quarters of action, and there was no scoring. And then that second half happened, and we looked like a completely different team. Now, again, it's still, like, it's still hard to be very excited about this game. Like, that comeback was awesome. That comeback was exciting. The largest comeback for the Giants in, like, I think, like, 70 years it was. Uh, but still, it was against the Arizona Cardinals, like a team that's obviously tanking. Uh, but whatever Dable did, whether, you know, there's this whole debate whether Dable was calling plays in the second half, whether Kafka was calling plays in the second half. You know, there's a lot of Dable with the call sheet over his face. Uh, so I'm guessing that, you know, who knows what adjustments happened. Uh, whatever it did, Dable did something, some schema. It's like whatever he did, ch changing up a lot, lit a fire under the Giants. I mean, there was a lot there's a lot of good play calling in the second half regardless. We saw the Giants being attacking downfield a lot more, and they stopped being so conservative. Now, like, even last year when they came back and won some games, they still played very conservative. They still played very run heavy. They still did the, a lot of these underneath short passes, these screen passes. Uh, but, no, they went deep. You know, I mean, Darius Slayton, 
Uh, they, they went deep to him a few times. Jalen Jalen Hyatt, man. We don't win this game without Jalen Hyatt. And you guys know I've been hyping up Jalen Hyatt. I've, I've, like, I've, I can't talk enough about him. I've whatever I say about him is probably going to be like me sound like a broken record, including the fact that I would have taken him the first round. Uh, but man, like he makes two big catches that set up touchdowns in this game. Uh, deep catch, like two catches, 39 yards. That's making big plays as a big play receiver. And we, again, we do not win this game without him. Uh, you know, there are some things with the offense and again, like it's so, it's so hard to take stock into these things because it's the Arizona Cardinals. But there was a lot of encouragement from the that offensive line. I mean, we're starting four guys who are either second year players or uh, rookie John Michael Schmitz, Marcus McKeitha making his first career start, Josh Zudo, a left guard by trade, playing left tackle, and obviously Evan Neal. Now Zudo, he held up on his own. I was very impressed by him, especially because you know I'd been questioning him a little bit. You know he'd been a little shaky at left guard. He didn't secure that left guard position to begin the season like a lot of like the Giants coaching staff hoped he would. Uh, but you know he filled nicely at left tackle, especially the fact that he's a guard by nature. McKeithen did just solid at right guard for his first career action. Obviously he missed all last season with a torn ACL, so really impressed by him. And then Evan Neal, I mean they kind of just hid what he did with having Daniel Bell on that side with him a lot of 12 formation sets so you know offensive line was better I'm interested to see what happens when Andrew Thomas gets back and uh, I'm assuming Brett Bredis when he gets back from his concussion how they shuffle this offensive line because obviously you know we have San Francisco coming up next and oof that's not gonna be fun but we're gonna have to run a lot of 12 formation with Daniel Bellinger next to Evan Neal for sure uh so, I mean right now what I saw Obviously, Andrew Thomas is left tackle. Obviously, John Michael Schmidt is center. Uh, hell, like put like if you, uh, put either McKeithen at right guard or Ben Bredersen at like maybe I I'd say right now you go Thomas. Uh, well, let, let, let's say when when uh, excuse me, let's say we're right now we're waiting for Bredersen to get when Bredersen gets back. I say we go Thomas at left tackle. We go. Uh, Azudu at left guard, like why not? He filled him nicely left tackle, start giving Azudu playing time. John Michael Schmitz at center, obviously. Uh, right guard, I'd say give us, give me Bredersen at right guard. I think he's a solid player. Hell, may, may, maybe even you put Marcus McKeith in there, depending if you want Bredersen to be a backup or not. Otherwise, you're not putting Glowinski in the starting lineup again. Maybe Glowinski's in the starting lineup against San Francisco because Bredersen's not going to be able to get back in time due to his concussion. Uh, you know. And if you're going to put Bredersen at right guard, maybe you put McKeithen at right guard. I assume they're going to put Neal at right tackle just because you don't want to give up on your seventh overall pick just 19 games into his career. Well, less because of the time he missed with injury. But I mean, at, at some point, I think maybe you want to experiment a bit with a bit with McKeithen at right guard or even with him at right tackle. I mean, I was very impressed in what I saw from him. Azudu, that line was a bit encouraging. But also, again, it's the Arizona Cardinals. Like, I have no idea who any of their pass rushers are. This, is, this isn't the days of Chandler Jones and Dan Williams up there. Uh, so, yeah, like, I mean, Nick Bosa, I'm scared for what Nick Bosa is going to do next week to this Giants front. Oh, my God. Like, he's going to have his way, especially against against Evan Neal. I'm, I'm not really looking forward to it. Uh, but, again, like, that the offensive line, especially the protection in the second half, was better. Uh, Daniel Jones, he made a lot of better decisions in the second half, especially we saw him in the, in the first half. He was, wasn't was really throwing the ball away, was either taking sacks or just sort of 
running, trying to run with it, and going out of bounds. Uh, but you know he played. He, he was like, he played a lot smarter football in the second half. Good decisions. Uh, and Saquon Barkley too, because that first half Saquon Barkley was really frustrating to me. There was another interception, much like the one last week that was off of Saquon's hands, and it's like we can't run the screen game now. Uh, but he played very tough in the second half. You know, he got injured. Uh, he got injured on that final drive. Uh, it's fun. Or, yeah, it was the final drive he got injured. And it's funny too because I I actually wanted to, us to run the QB sneak that we'd run on a couple. Third and shorts, fourth and shorts already. I was advocating for that sneak and not to give it to Saquon. Sure enough, we give it to him, and he gets injured. And, again, that was a reminder of why I don't want to pay running backs. Saquon, injury-prone player, playing an injury-prone position. Uh, that game was a good reminder of why I didn't want to pay him. One with the tip drill and two with the injury. I mean, look, like, the, game, the receiving core was pretty good, too. I mean, Darren Waller, he finally had a really good game. Felt like he was getting open over the middle of the field a ton, especially in that second half. I mean, again, like, I guess whatever was happening last week and in the first half, Darren Waller was not getting involved in the action, but the play calling in the second half definitely involved him more. And this is, you know, we, we saw why we got Darren Waller in that second half yesterday. And that was huge. Uh, again, like, I'm hoping to see more of that on the offense. It is just like it's so hard to take a stock into things because it's the Arizona Cardinals and because like this is a team that's obviously tanking and like I don't know like it's very hard to be like super excited that we beat them like we should not have been struggling at all against Josh Dobbs we should not have been at all struggling against James Conner and Zach Ertz in the year 2023 but here we were struggling against them so it's just like that's not it's not an encouraging sign. But I will say this team for this team to come out and score 31 points in the second half without Andrew Thomas, especially given that last season it was the question: Are we going to get the 30 points? Are we going to get the 30 points? It shows a lot. It shows resiliency, and it's definitely an encouraging sign that this offense can get the 30 points in week two when it took them all the way until week 17 last season. Uh, you know, show a lot about Daniel Jones, his ability to fight back. Uh, I mean, look, I'm not going to immediately be like, oh, yeah, season saved, season saved. We have a lot that we got to see. Thursday night's going to be brutal. I, I don't see any way the Giants are going to win in San Francisco. So looks like we're already staring one and two in the face. Uh, and, again, like, credit Isaiah Hodgins, too. He made a critical catch for a touchdown, uh, the game-tying touchdown, and some critical catches that keep drives alive. So these guys, they did show resiliency. They made the big plays when they needed to. But... Uh, they should not have needed. The point is, they should not need to be in this situation against the Cardinals. You know, I was talking a lot about the offense, but the defense, man, the defense needs to be better. I mean, the pass rush has not gotten home at all in the first two games. Zero sacks, zero sacks against a Cardinals team that has Will Hernandez, which we ran Will Hernandez out of town a few years ago because he was just he was just one of many horrible offensive linemen the Giants have had. Over the years. Against the Cowboys, Tyrone Smith was banged up. Uh, Tyler Smith was out. Uh, I, believe their, I believe their center was out too, and yet the Cowboys offensive line was able to dominate us. Now, Aziz Ojulari was out, which has been a theme a lot the last two seasons. You guys know I'm an Aziz Ojulari guy, but this injury thing with him is starting to get very frustrating. And Kayvon, man, where have you been, Kayvon Thibodeau? You were the fifth overall pick in last year's draft. When, as a defensive end, being as a pass rusher defensive end, when you're picked that highly, you're supposed to be a game wrecker. And you've not been non-existent so far this season, man. Like, come on. 
where are you? Especially when your pass rush, when, when the pass rush opposite of you is out, you need to step it up. You need to make some plays, and he just hasn't at all in these first two games. And it's not just him. Leonard Williams, too. I mean, the, I am honestly, like, more and more it's looking like Shane is making the right decision to just let this insanely high Leonard Williams contract ride out uh, instead of trying to push money back into the future so that way we can just be rid of Leonard Williams and not have, I don't know, like $40 million tied up into defensive tackles. I get that. Uh, I mean, but, like, yeah, Leonard Williams has disappeared. He, I mean, he was off – I think he was only on the field for, like, 58% of plays, something like that. Uh, I mean, we, first off, we can't be having, like, DJ Davidson on the field for as much as for as much as much he was. I have no idea why DJ Davidson, a guy who – a fifth-round pick, missed all of his rookie last season playing in his first – or I think maybe second career game. He might, I forget if he was active or not last week. Uh no, why were they on the field? Like, like there, there's critical plays in the red zone where Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams are both off the field. Why are they off the field in the red zone? That makes zero sense. I mean, I get like, is this? I get that this maybe rest and rest. You have that game Thursday night against a much better team. Like, I assume Thursday night, as long as we don't get run out the door the same way we did against the Cowboys, that Dexter Lawrence will be on the field for like 90% of snaps. Uh, Leonard Williams probably somewhere between 80 and 85, and we won't see much of DJ Davidson or Jordan Riley. Uh, but also, it wasn't just when it started up front where this run defense was supposed to be fixed. Nacho Nunez, Ashawn Robinson, they weren't helping much. Bobby Okereke, he had a rough first half, but credit to him because he really he made a ton of plays in the second half, was flying all over the field, and that was big. Both him and Jason Pinnock, both of those guys. Consistently getting beat in the second half. It looked like Bobby O'Kurke was getting lost on runs. Any deep shot that the Cardinals were taking to Ertz or along the sideline, Pinnock was just missing. Uh, but both those guys, they made a lot of tackles, a lot of stops in the second half to help the Giants get the ball back. Uh, I mean, like, who else had a rough game? Micah McFadden, he was really bad. I mean, and save it was Xavier McKinney. Xavier McKinney, man, this is your co- this is your contract year, McKinney. And he was Awful on the field against Arizona, missing he was missed so many tackles, getting trucked by Dobbs, getting trucked by Connor. He that was one of the worst games I'd seen from Xavier McKinney in his career. And this is a guy. This is the guy who's probably play, paying playing to be the next giant to get a big contract. And he has not had a good first two games this season. He's supposed to be one of the leaders of this defense. Uh, I have no idea what's going on with McKinney this season, man. But right now, like he is he is playing himself. And we all have this agent, uh, so we can try to get himself probably a top five safety contract. Right now, he has not played like he is earning himself that whatsoever. And like I'm a big McKinney fan. I love X X Man. He's been one of the safe. He's been one of the few bright spots of this Giants team when we were having the dark years. But man, dude, like, I, I, how are you letting the? Like, were you just not practicing hard? Were you were you just playing like lazy because it was Arizona? Either way, uh, like. There's a lot to be worried about in this defense right now. Uh, even the, the the secondary, like ironically, like Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks, I thought were fine. I thought Adoree Jackson was fine. The quarterbacks appeared were fine, but everybody else, man, just really struggled. Everyone was playing so soft, like Swiss cheese. Uh, any other thoughts on this game? I mean, Cardinals, like they're I guess they're frisky. They are. They're tr- even though they're tanking, they are a frisky team. I just don't know how. You let Josh Dobbs kind of dice you up like that.
Uh, yeah, so that's it. We'll, we'll, we'll stick in the NFC East. We'll flash, we'll flash back to Thursday night and talk about Eagles, Vikings. And I'll be honest, like, there are a lot of games that just with everything going on, with me getting ready for my move, with being just in Cleveland with a bunch of friends, having some distractions, I wasn't as dialed in to some of these other games as I obviously was with the Giants. Uh, but that Eagles-Vikings game was just a little boring. Uh, you know, one of the things I said, I was like, no way Minnesota will be that sloppy as they were last week. And somehow they were sloppier, just lots of fumbles, bad interceptions. And, like, you know, they, they were, I don't know how you get sloppier than you were last week. The defense, you know, the Brian Flores hire I thought was a good hire, but it's still a problem. Last year was the weak, weak secondary. I mean, the secondary got burnt by Devonta Smith this week. And now, the, you know, the run defense, too, though, is a big problem. At least last year, the run defense was slightly below average, it's been bad. And, there, you know, I, I, I praised their offensive line, but the offensive line was not very good against the Eagles, uh, you know, especially, you know, not creating hold, they, they That's why they just went ahead and signed Dalton Risner. But Alexander Madison, he did not play well. He does not look like a legit starting running back in this league. Led to a lot of fans DMing him and just some controversial, nasty stuff. Uh, but like, yeah, not a great game for Minnesota at all. They had the one turnover, which I hate that rule, the fumble at the back of the end zone, where it's a turnover, a touchback. It should just be like Vikings ball at the one. Everyone knows that's one of the dumber rules, man. Like, the Vikings are staring 0-2 in the face. Uh, they had a chance to maybe come back, but for them, they couldn't stop. I mean, I just, last week, DeAndre Swift barely was involved in the Eagles game plan this week. He gets 28 touches, and the Vikings couldn't stop him to save their lives. Um, what else in there? I mean, the Eagles offense, little, little bit of drama there. A.J. Brown going off on the sideline on Jalen Hurts, even when the Eagles offense was putting up points. It looked like Devonta Smith is maybe that the number one guy there, something I thought would maybe happen before this season. I wanted Smith in a lot of fantasy leagues, didn't get him. Uh but A.J. Brown, like, that was a weird, angry blow-up that he had on the sideline with Hurts. Uh, you know, like, what kind of team player is that, A.J.? Yelling at your quarterback because he's not throwing you the ball in a blowout game? Like, you don't care that your team's winning? Kind of, kind of disgusting. Kind of disgusting. Uh, I'm a bit worried about the Vikings. Now, if you were, like, one stat that I've just known from watching football over the years and being a nerd, there's always a team that starts 0-2, at least one team that starts 0-2 that ends up making the playoffs. So, you know, Vikes, you have your chance. NFC North is NFC North is a pretty open division, I'd say. Uh, sticking with that NFC North, we're going to move over to that. Uh, that Packers Falcons game, and man, this game this game hurt. You know, I mentioned I was in Cleveland. You know, I mentioned we were watching these games at a some of the games at a bar. Me and my buddies were like, okay, uh, this game we'll, we'll do a table bet, and this game we'll we'll take a bet together, and hopefully this bet pays for our meal. And it looked like the pa Packers were gonna win this game, and this game hurt for like not just. And then the Packers end up blowing in the fourth quarter. And then just hurt losing a bet that would have covered my meal. But, you know, it hurts a little. It, it, it puts a tiny stinger into my Packers winning the NFC North agenda. And my being low on the Falcons agenda, which, uh, yeah, that's neither 2-0. Oh. Um, but, like, how do they blow it, man? I mean, Jordan Love, credit to him. He hasn't been, like, a world beater. But he's looked solid. Zero INTs through three through two games so far. Two, six, two uh, three touchdowns. Uh, 
Six touchdowns, zero interceptions through two games. Maybe he's not lighting the world on fire with his yards or making those sexy throws, but he's, you know, he's getting the job done, and that's sort of what I said Love needs to do. I didn't think he'd be a world beater. I didn't think he'd be letting the world on fire. And, he's, I mean, what I've seen from him so far is expected. Uh, I mean, Jaden Reed, though, he looks to be another another one of these good rookie wide receivers in the class that's loaded. I mean, feel like in a lot of these games you're going to hear me talk about some rookie wide receivers because there's a ton of good rookie wide outs in this class. Uh, I mean, for the pack, and also, you know, what, what Love is doing, he hasn't had Christian Watson in his first two games. They didn't have Aaron Jones. They didn't have David Bakhtiari uh, this game either. And, like, look, I was definitely worried about their chances to win. They came out looking strong. But then the offense just couldn't do anything in the fourth quarter. And they allowed Desmond Ritter to slowly come back. I mean, the Falcons, they had a chance to just end the game. Or they have a chance to keep the go-ahead field goal. But Arthur Smith didn't want to leave that much time on the clock. Goes for it on fourth down. Packers get that stop. They win that game. Ah. Uh, but, yeah, that Packers offense is very slow. I mean, the Atlanta offense, I was very critical of Arthur Smith, but they looked pretty good this week. Uh, Desmond Ritter was okay. They got Drake London a lot more involved, and Drake London ended up having a very good game. Kyle Pitts, though, still was missing. I mean, it's, it's crazy that they drafted a tight end fourth overall two years ago, and he just is consistently missing from this offense. I mean, the bijan Alagier duo – this team, you know they're just going to be like a diehard, run-heavy team with that the duo they have. Uh, I mean, those two guys are going to be as good of a one-two punch as you'll see in the NFL. They'll probably end up leading the league in rushing. That's just the way the Falcons, the way their offense is designed. Uh, I'm not sold on them yet. Uh, although, when looking, although I will say is their schedule is very, very easy, like... And there always is that worst of first team. And while I thought the Jets and the Browns could be those worst of first teams, there's uh, yeah, there, there, there's plenty of cause for concern with both of them right now. Uh, yeah, like I don't really believe it. I don't believe Atlanta. I think Atlanta could make the playoffs, even if I don't believe they're that good. Their two wins really don't impress me over a banged-up Packers team, a rookie quarterback making his first career start with a bad offensive line, and receivers who just refuse to get open. Uh, yeah, and the Packers' defense has been solid, although they did blow that game. Uh, you know, my, my, uh, my, the NFC North is going to be an interesting division, so is the NFC South. I mean, three teams in those divisions are 3-0. and uh, and, I mean, it seems like those divisions are both three-team races, while the Panthers and the Bears are kind of dead in the water in those divisions. Uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, are we going to stick in the NFC North? Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll go to the next NFC North, NFC South game. And to quote, to quote the D Dennis Green, the Bears are who we thought they were. The difference is, though, when he said the Bears are who we thought they were, he was referring to, uh, like, a good Bears team, a Bears team that ended up winning the NFC that season. This Bears team is just downright terrible. And, like, I love Justin Fields. You see me in my Ohio State shirt. I really want him to be successful. But he's just not it, man. He is honestly just terrible. The film on him, the tape on him is just god Awful. I, I would have, I mean, there was no, I mean, I would, he's one of my favorite Ohio State players, one of my favorite college football players of all time. And to see him just struggle like this in the NFL, like, I hate it, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he's 
like he's going to be elite. I don't think he's been horrible. He holds on the ball for way too long. You know, people are going to say, oh, he's been taking all these sacks. He's been taking all. He's he, the reason he's taking these sacks is because he's been holding on to the ball for way too long. And that was that was you know one of his biggest criticisms coming out of Ohio State was his. There was a tendency for holding onto the ball too long, and sure enough, it's continuing the NFL. You know, there's been I saw a couple plays where you had guys open and was still taking sacks. Uh, the Bears, the Bears are going to be one of the yeah, even though everyone yeah, there's all this house surrounding the Bears. Now they're going to be right there as one of the worst teams in the NFC again. Actually, Matt Eberflus and the OC is just like are just not good. Uh, it's a bad combination of offensive coordinator and head coach. Uh, he doesn't fit their system. They barely, they've only called like two design runs for Fields, and that's what Fields' strength is. But for some reason, they've only called two this season. I mean, that's the stat I was reading in the Athletic. Uh, you know, the supporting cast isn't even bad anymore. The offensive line is still bad, but he's still holding on the ball for like three hours. No pocket awareness. No pocket awareness for him. Like they might have the first pick again. If you get the first pick again, you take Caleb Williams. Uh, like I mean, look on their schedule. I, I think they may actually get the first pick again. Truthfully, uh, you know he threw that pick six to Shaq Barrett. You know Shaq Barrett, that pick six dedicating it to his daughter. Be- beautiful sight, something you really enjoy. You know, one of those moments that makes you feel good. Uh, yeah, like you know, it wasn't just Shaq Barrett in the defense. Baker, Baker balled out, man. Again for the second straight week, he was really good for the Buccaneers. And like again, it was the. Bears defense, the Vikings defense, so it's hard to put too much stock into it. But this was Baker, just you know a couple years ago. The Baker Mayfield we know would not would have been putting up crappy performances against crappy defenses. So honestly, like he's he's been awesome through two games. Uh, you know, both him and Mike Evans, the two of them are facing a lot of critics. Oh, Baker this, Baker that, all these interceptions in the preseason. Baker's washed. The Bucks are gonna be contending for Caleb Williams. Hell, I said they'd be contending for Caleb Williams. You know, the Bucks won't pay Mike Evans. Oh, they shouldn't pay Mike Evans because Mike Evans is old and washed. No, they were great today. They're still a good combo. Uh, Devin White and Levante David are still there leading that defense. And, like, not many people saw it coming, but here they go. They're 2-0 with a strong first two weeks. And, like, congrats to the Bucs. I think they're going to hang around this season. You know, I don't know if playoffs is in the grass, but they are going to hang around this season. Uh, Bills, Raiders, moving on to that game. I mean, Raiders plus nine and a half. I said that was my favorite bet of the day. Uh, and it started good with that first touchdown. All of a sudden, it's like, uh-oh. But Bills done, season over. Uh, from there, though, it all fell apart. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, two interceptions. Negative two rushing yards from Josh Jacobs on nine carries. Like, negative rushing yards as the rushing champion? Wow. Uh, the defense gave up 38 points, so nowhere near as good as it was last week. And this Raiders team, I, I got a little, I was like, okay, maybe the Raiders aren't as bad as I thought after the way their defense played week one. No, the, the, the Raiders team I saw today, this is the Raiders team I expected to see most of 2023. Uh, and like in my preseason analysis of the Bills, I even said they need to get the other the other guys involved, the Gabe Davises, the Kincaids, the James Cooks. It couldn't just be... Allen chucking that up to Diggs, which we said, which was a lot of the game plan last week and led to a ton of interceptions. Uh, but a very well balanced offense. Gabe Davis had 92 yards and a touchdown. Kincaid was pretty involved, the rookie with five grabs. James Cook had a 150 yards from scrimmage, and that's a big thing from the Bills, needing to be a lot more balanced. James Cook played very well today. I mean, I, I got him in one of my fantasy leagues. I like him a lot. 
Uh, again, I need to see more consistently consistency from the Bills. I'm a little like you know cautiously optimistic about them because I've seen a lot of these. You know, I'm still I'm still worried about that offensive line. I'm still worried about Josh Allen's turnover tendencies. Uh, but they did what they they did what they need to do, beating up on a bad team at home. Uh, really bouncing back from that really shaky, ugly loss that they had last week. Uh, but until, again, like, I'm still not sold on that this team is going to make noise until I see a lot more consistency from them. We, we know they can, but I'm a little skeptical of them. Ravens, Bengals. Okay, maybe it is a little time to start worrying about Cincinnati. I didn't take too much stock in the last week's loss. You know, I said last week's loss was them just typically losing to the Browns, as they always do. Uh, Burrow not playing the preseason. Burrow with the calf. And maybe that's still it. Maybe it's just the calf from Burrow. Maybe it's just the fact he, he he's essentially playing his preseason. But 0-2 is 0-2. And losing two straight games in the division to start the season is not very good. And that's still a cause for concern. And even though they were bad at the start last season, they still had some good games. They, they, they've been atrocious this year. Burrow is just looked awful. In fact, any time this game was on red, this game was on red zone a decent amount. Any time it was on red zone, I felt like he was just missing receivers, making bad throws. A little bit until the end when they had garbage time. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if it's if it's a rust factor, if the calf is still bugging him. They did say the calf is still a potential issue for him. And you know they have a game. They have a game Monday night, so all that extra day of rest. But I, th- I, I mean, me, even though I drafted Burrow in fantasy, I'm sorry to be talking about my fantasy team a lot here. It just happens to be mentioning those guys and the impact they've had on the league this week. Burrow, I thought he probably should have set out the first couple of games. Now I get, you know, that you're playing a divisional opponent, and that's a big deal. But now there's they've stared on two in the face. It's possible Burrow's injury has been aggravated, and the AFC North is loaded. I've talked about this division over and over again being the best division in football. Hell, like I, I did this little schedule printer thing. Right now, I think the AFC North is still going to represent the entire playoff field in the AFC, uh, the three wild cards. That's and that's my bold prediction right now. Uh, like it's not good. Mixon looks cooked. Chase has been very limited in his big playability, and the defense ha- hasn't been hasn't been awful, but it hasn't been great. Like. They definitely, definitely overwent a lot of turnover in that secondary last year, losing both their safeties. And right now, uh, it appears that's been hurting the defense a bit. Uh, they didn't get their act together. You know, this could be a case similar to last year where they dropped games one and two, got their act together, ended up going a huge stretch down in the second half of last year. Like that very much can be the case. But right now, like I definitely have some reason to worry about the Bengals and about Joe Burrow. Uh, and the Ravens, credit to them. They're 2-0. Uh, they have all these injuries, and they've still won. Like, I'll be honest, like Lamar, and like, Lamar, he has not looked that comfortable in the offense yet, uh, but he's still been solid. It's a, it's a lot less design runs. It seems like a lot of the runs that he's making, he's using his legs when the play is breaking down, and that's critical for Lamar. Like It feels like at times he gets criticized for running too much. Uh, they, had to, they were too run heavy. They didn't have creativity. I mean, now they have creativity, and Lamar knows if the play's not there, he can run with it. Uh, but also, like, with all the injuries, and, like, for Lamar, look, again, the, the, he didn't play in the preseason, so, again, this this is just the start of the season for him, and getting adjusted to that new offense. 
Right now, the Ravens have a light schedule, and that is really beneficial for them. That It bodes well having Lamar working out the kinks and adjusting to this new offense against the latter part of their schedule, where hopefully when they have a much tougher second half where they play the Niners, they play the Dolphins, uh, they play the they, they play some other good teams, you know, the Steelers, the Bengals again, the Browns again. They'll have, Lamar will have a much better grip on the offense and have a much – I mean, and from if they do, this Ravens team will be really tough. I mean, down Staley, down Linderbaum, down Humphrey, they managed to come out and win this game uh, with the defense really playing well. I was worried about them and their cornerback injuries, but they've looked really strong through two games so far. Uh, they made Nelson Aguilar look good. Zay Flowers, I take back my words on you. Uh, it's funny because I thought the Ravens were going to get off to that rough 0-2 start in the division. Here they are, 2-0, and I just learned never doubt Lamar, never doubt Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Cincinnati, though, they do have a must-win game next week against the Rams. The Rams are frisky. The Rams are a good team. They can't afford to lose that game at 4-0-3, especially with that game being at home. The Seahawks and the Lions. Uh, first off, can we petition to have the Seahawks and the Lions play like every single season? Because the last two years, these two teams have given us really fun, really exciting matchups. And like, it, this game was back and forth. The Lions had that late comeback, uh, the tie up before losing in overtime. Lots of big plays. Geno Smith making some good throws at the end, but also some questionable plays. Uh, it just really a lot like some you know a cup pick six is always fun to see. This game was awesome. This game was I mean this the over the Seahawks plus seven and a half felt like very free bets to me. Uh, Seattle opened at five and a half and I teased at the seven and a half. That's just what I did. Uh, but like Gino looked Gino looked a lot better this week. Although I will say the sack he took that let Detroit get back into this game uh, was not very good. Uh, but man, like th th these two teams, they just have to play every year because every time they play, it's so much fun. Uh, now this loss, though, this did feel like such a Lions loss, a Lions game that oh my God, they had it. It's it's almost there for them, and then all of a sudden they find a way to lose. Now I saw a headline that said like same old Lions question mark. Uh, I still don't think so. I think like a lot of this was the Seahawks had their backs against the wall. They were staring 0-2 in the face. And plus they beat the Lions now six straight times, so they kind of own them. Uh, but Dan Campbell, you know, the Lions, they were driving. He was playing very conservative at the end, kicked the field goal to tie when they had plenty of time, enough time to go for a touchdown where they could have tried to win the game. And that's like very interesting because we've known Dan Campbell to be a pretty aggressive head coach. And like, I mean, I remember me and my friend Isaac, watch, my friend Isaac, who's a Lions fan, lives in Cleveland watching that game. We were both thinking that, uh, and they said that on part of my take as well. Uh, again, like for them, they, they, it's their sixth loss in a row to the Seahawks, a team that tends to have their numbers, a Seahawks team that tends to bounce back uh, well after losing games with Pete Carroll as their head coach. Uh, I, I don't think this is too much of a panic bat for the Lions. There's still a lot to like about this game. Sam Laporta's a legit stud. He's going to be you know, a great tight end for the Lions for a number of years. Uh, Josh Reynolds had two touchdowns. Amon Ross Ra, St. Brown is obviously one of the best wide receivers in football. They still have dogs on that offense. And I have still have a ton of confidence in this Lions team that they're going to be good and a contender in the NFC this year. Uh, sucks for them losing the defense though. It sucks late. I mean, the offense sucks losing David Montgomery. 
uh, by something that we find, especially the fact that it's just a thigh bruise shouldn't be too long, and Jameer Gibbs is really good. Although defense needs to be fixed, the secondary is still kind of a problem. Uh, they got, you know, a lot of the Chiefs, even last week, Chiefs dropped a lot of balls when they were getting open. It wasn't the Lions defense shutting them down, especially now the fact that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I uh, saw, has a, a torn tricep, a torn pec, and if that's the case, he's probably going to be out for the season, which is a tough, tough blow. Uh... Run defense, though, has been pretty good through two games so far. That's a sight to see, although it's going to be, you know, they're going to need to find another edge rusher opposite of Aiden Hutchinson, who is a beast uh, with James Houston out for a few weeks now. I mean, for Seattle, huge get-right game for them. Uh, if they were 0-2, that would have been very ugly. Uh, like, I'm definitely, you know, not – I'm still a little worried about Seattle because their defense has looked really bad through two games. And remember, I, I spoke highly of this defense in my preseason – uh, prediction: The pass rush isn't really getting home there. The secondary is somewhat of a mess. Uh, and even then, like even this win wasn't their brand of football. Their brand of football is ground pound, beat you with their defense. Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. Uh, people, a lot of people were excited to see what that duo did, but uh, like they, they've been quiet so far. And I really don't know what to think of Seattle so far. Chargers and the Titans. I mean, Br- Brandon Staley still having a job is criminal. Absolutely criminal. I mean, this guy, he stinks. He absolutely stinks as a head coach. At this point, it feels like he's coaching the lose. Screws up on that final drive. I get like similar to the Lions. Chargers could have gotten a touchdown there, but Staley takes it slowish. They play for the tie. Sure enough, they lose in overtime. And you know what? It was one of those where the Chargers had the ball first and their three straight incompletions. Look, I go after Staley a lot. I think he's one of the worst head coaches in the NFL. But when are we going to take some of the blame and throw it on Justin Herbert? Because all you hear is Justin Herbert, oh, almost throws these numbers, all, all these games where he throws all these empty numbers. But he's still the quarterback of these teams that lose. You know, Justin Herbert, he is the quarterback that the three straight incompletions at the start of overtime. He's the quarterback that on the money down, third on third down, which is a heavy passing down. You know, they were 2 of 14. Now, again, this is a good Titans defense. But, you know, if you're an elite quarterback, you're supposed to figure out, where, you know, find the holes in this Titans defense. You know, you, you have to be doing better than 2 of 14 on third down. And, I mean, but also, like, Brandon Staley, this guy's a defensive head coach. He has some pretty good pieces. Joey Bosa, Derwin James, J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. And this defense is horrible. It was horrible last year. It's been horrible this year. Had he got higher guy who was supposed to be a defensive specialist and have the one of the worst defenses in football, the worst defense in giving up big plays over the last two or two seasons, or maybe even three seasons, they have been a disaster. Staley, I, I, I mean, you guys know, I've been calling for Staley to get fired after last season. I feel bad for Chargers fans. Uh, they're horrible, man. Uh, Herbert, and like, again, like, Herbert has to share some of this blame. Chargers, I was like, oh, I thought they'd be 9-8 and eight fighting for the playoffs. They, and what I said about the preseason, the only that could stop this Chargers team is the Chargers themselves. And I, I think that that's exactly what's going to happen. I think this team's going to be more along the lines of 6-11, and 7-10, and 10, and not 9-8. and eight. And I'd be shocked if Brandon Staley survives the entire season. Hell, they, they have a week five bye. They have the Raiders and the Vikings coming up in the next two weeks. They enter that bye week going four. I, I don't think I'd be shocked if Staley comes out, still the head coach, and out of the bye week. Uh, staying in the AFC, you know, going to another AFC West, AFC South matchup. The Chiefs and the Jaguars. Uh, the Chiefs avoid that 0-2 start. You know, I thought they'd 
they were going to start 0-2. We'd have the big overreaction, what's wrong with the Chiefs, uh, and writing them off. But the offense was still slow. Uh, Kelsey, like, it's funny because everyone's like, oh, Ch- Chiefs-Jaguars, this game, two of the best young, two of the best quarterbacks in football. And uh, Kelsey started slow. Uh, he did have a, you know, just four catches, 26 yards in his first game of the season. Not his best day. He did have a touchdown. You know, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore were a little bit better. Still not great. Kadarius Tony, whenever he caught the ball, it was like running backwards for some reason. Uh, for Kansas City, they've definitely started slow through two games. Uh, you know, maybe it's be a little frustrating if you're a Chiefs fan, but I'm sure if you're a Chiefs fan and like me, you're probably not very concerned because it's Mahomes. Although the Chris Jones return. Massive for this team. First game back, he make, he gets one and a half sacks, a pass deflected. He you know he helped this Kansas City defense play a lot better. He deserved to be you know, pay that man, sign him long term because he deserves it. He is a good damn player for this team. Uh, it's funny because again, like I said, this game was barely on red zone. A sloppy game for both these offenses. You know, Trevor Lawrence. He hasn't been super sharp so far. You know, preseason I said he'd be the sec- he'd be the best quarterback in the league, not name Mahomes after this season. And you know, so far, so far I haven't seen that from him. So my preseason take not not the best. Uh, again, these two teams, I, I have no reason to be concerned about them, despite the slow games for them on offense. They feel like the two biggest locks in the AFC to make it to the postseason, along with the Dolphins right now. Uh, like. I expect the Jag, you know, Jaguars. They started slow last year, much like some teams do. Rebound at the end. Maybe this is just like another slower start for them. Uh, and also, just because they play in a bad division, with you know, I, 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 I was just talking about the Titans. I still don't love the Titans. I don't really know how to feel about them. They've played like every game the Titans. You know, that Chargers win for like every Titans win since 2018. Uh, the Colts and the Texans. You know, I don't think either of these teams are making noise yet. Uh, and I will admit. Another guy, I'm not, I'm not ready. To, I, I will admit I was 100% wrong on Zay Flowers. I think that kid's going to be a stud. AR-15 does look really good, though. Anthony Richardson has looked pretty good. Uh, now, I'm, again, I'm not going to say I was wrong on him. It's been two games. A lot of QBs can get all, who play with his style, have his running ability, have his arm cannon. Uh, you know, tend to play very well before this film out on them. So I'm still not super sold on him. Again, like, I also just, I thought Shane Steichen was the best hire of the offseason. Probably the best head coach available. Uh, and Gardner Minshew, man, he was good when Anthony Richardson came, when he came in for Anthony Richardson. AR got hurt, and Minshew was balling. I think 19-23, working this offense well. Zach Moss filled in nicely. He had 88 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, I will say about this Colts team, I think they're well-coached, and I love Shane Steichen. They're going to be gritty. I still don't think this team is going to make any noise, but I think they're going to be a gritty team and a tough out for anybody, uh, especially, I think, just AR, because he can, he, he can make a lot of plays that some guys can't, but still not convinced on him yet that he's going to win this team a lot of games. Uh, the Texans lose again. Their losses are the Cardinals' gains. Uh, some positive takeaways. C.J. Stroud does look good. You know, he made some you know good decisions. Made, went through his progressions. Uh, for him though, he's just playing behind an offensive line without his two starting tackles. Uh, eventually, when Larry Tunsil and Titus Howard come back, I uh, could see the Texans improving the latter half of the year and being frisky. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be watching this team a lot. Be seeing how Stroud develops, how he progresses. Uh, he, de- he did definitely seem to develop a rapport with some of those receivers. 
Nico Collins looks like it's his early favorite. There was that report he wanted guys to draft Tank Dell in the third round, and Tank Dell looks like another one of those good rookie wide receivers I was talking about earlier, a guy who's going to be, you know, these guys can have a connection for a long time. Seeing him and Nico Collins was kind of funny because it was the Ohio State-Michigan connection. And interested to see, you know, where the Sexton team goes the rest of the season because I do like them. Uh, moving on now, late afternoon games. I talked to, you know, obviously I did the Giants game. Still some more late afternoon games to get to. I want to try to get through them quickly here. Uh, it's been going on for quite some time. Puka. Puka is the truth. You know, last week he had a 10-catch game. This week the fifth-round kid has a 15-catch game. He looks like a clone of Cooper Cup. And then we just all forgot Sean McVay is a really good coach. And I probably am overhyping this team a, a little bit for losing a game. Uh, but their two games looked a lot more competitive, a lot better than what many people thought they were. This was, a, this was the second youngest roster in football behind the Packers. A ton of first and second year guys. And Kyron Williams looks like a solid running back. Had two touchdowns this game. Uh, there are reports he's already spelling the end for Cam Akers, who was a healthy scratch from this game. Uh, again, you know, the Rams, they, they looked pretty good. Stafford played well. This was a case of Kyle Shanahan owning McVay. The four now is just being loaded. It was a relatively quiet game from from Brock Purdy, but CMC was electric. Lots of big runs. He had that angry run where he just threw the defender off of him. Uh, Debo was making plays after being somewhat absent last week. And also, like, Kyle Shanahan, the cojones on that guy. It's for, you know, he's at the goal line. He's like, you know what, I'm going to run a QB sneak here, get a touchdown to go up 10 before the half instead of going up 6 uh, and kick a field goal. I love Kyle Shanahan. I still in the Niners. You know, while I had some fears about them, I am not afraid of them. I am not afraid anymore about them. They're elite. Their skill positions are great. My pick for for Christian McCaffrey to an offensive player of the year right now is looking pretty. Uh, the Cowboys and the Jets. Rest in peace, the Jets season. Uh, Zach Wilson, he still stinks. 12-27, three picks. And, like, this guy sucks. The line sucks. Uh, look, I, I thought maybe with Wilson at QB, they'd be decent. I don't think he'd be as bad as he was last year again, but clearly he was. I mean, he was playing against a Dallas defense, and they have one of the worst offensive lines in football. And for them, like, the Giants and the Jets have both invested a lot in their offensive lines over the recent seasons, whether it's free agent signings, whether it's drafts, and yet the, both their lines are still mediocre at best. Uh, crazy how high I was in the Jets coming into the season. I was like, they're going to be first or worst. People don't understand how good that defense is. I still think people don't understand how good that defense is. Uh, although that defense was pretty, pretty bad today. Uh, but the offensive line, man, is just going to kill. People are saying, oh, Wilson, Wilson can't be the QB. I agree, Wilson's not good. But I don't know what free agent QB, I don't know what QB available for trade is coming in and playing better than Zach Wilson does behind that offensive line, man. It is. It's scary. And I hate to say it, but the Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender. They are loaded. Micah Parsons, he is just, I mean, him and TJ Wan, in my opinion, are a stratosphere of their own in terms of impact defenders. He just, he, he's a game wrecker. I was about being, a, I said earlier, Kayvon Thibodeau be a game wrecker. Micah Parsons is a game wrecker. He's a defender that literally changes the whole complexion of a game. He is scary good. He is scary talented. Uh, they have, you know, I'm, I, you know, I crap on Trayvon Diggs sometimes, but having him and Stephon Gilmore opposite each other, that's as good as it gets as a cornerback duo. 
and this down, and with Dan Quinn still coaching that defense, they are loaded. Like I, I picked them to win the East. Part of it with that back-to-back winner thing not happening for years. Uh, but you just gotta hope they pull a typical Cowboys choke. Uh, sticking, you know, sticking, wrapping up NFC East teams. Is Sam Howell him? He sure looked the pit yesterday, and that Eric Bieniemy hire looks to be a genius one. I mean, Sam Howell, again, I don't like the commanders. They're one of my bitter rivals. But, man, did he throw a beautiful, a beautiful ball to Terry McLaurin for, for a touchdown as part of that second-half comeback. I mean, it wasn't just him. Brian Robinson, I got him in two of my fantasy leagues. He has been a beast, an absolute beast so far. So far, that guy coming back, gunshot survivor, and look, I mean the offensive line is still worrisome. Uh, he got sat, you know, Hell was sat four times. He still held his own. The Commanders are two and zero, and what a wild game it was. They start slow, but in the second half they go off. The Broncos actually managed to score 30 points. You know, they some it last year was, oh, that they couldn't score 17. They actually managed to score 30 points. They still lose. They had, I mean, the, the luck they've had the last two seasons is just incredible. It's almost Chargers level. No, oh, they get the Hail Mary, and then the two-point conversion fails. Uh, this is like a massive, a massive kick in the nuts to this team. And this offensive line. Still a problem. A lot of teams still have offensive line problems, and they, they threw a lot of money at it this season. Signing Mitch McGinley to a big contract, signing Ben Powers to, to a big contract. Neither of those guys have been good for the Broncos online, which surrendered seven sacks, one and a half to Chase Young, one and a half to Montez Sweat, one to Deron Payne. Between that nasty, nasty Washington Commanders defensive front, uh, it's been elite. There's the, the defensive front has been elite. There is plenty to like about this team right now. Uh, Ron Rivera, Josh Harris, they're, they're cleaning, they're fixing the culture there. Uh, man, I'm I'm nervous for this Commanders team because the they look like they can give the Giants a lot, especially when it comes to seeing our offensive line. Uh, the prime. Oh, sorry. Actually, quickly, Denver. We're gonna end with D- Denver. They mortgaged everything in their future for Sean Payton, for Russell Wilson, and they still are just terrible. Uh, I, I think I had them 8-9 and nine beginning of the season, maybe 7-10. That seems very generous now looking at it. The Dolphins and the Patriots, like the Dolphins, man. I think I, I, I had them missing the postseason to begin this thing, and I feel like a moron for it because I feel like they're a lock. Their offense is so fun. And, like, credit to Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick definitely schemed up a pretty good game plan that limited Miami from, you know, getting the big play, from using those from, from the crossing routes over the center of the field, forced Tyreek to throw to the sideline more. But even then, like, watching their design, the way they have pre-snap motions with one guy, throw it to the other guy, it's just so smart. They're so fast. You know, Jalen Waddell, Raheem, Raheem Mostert, both those guys had huge games. I, mean, I thought like the hole was opening up for Raheem Mostert anytime he ran the ball. And the Tua, he's not great throwing the sideline. He threw some dots. He definitely had some curious passes, especially on that INT. Uh, there was that one blocked field goal uh, for the Patriots, which was crazy. Uh, this game definitely was clean. The Patriots... They made plays that, of course, the Patriots would just to stay around. Uh, Mac Jones wasn't great. He wasn't bad. But that Patriots offensive line, is, uh, this is a repeated theme, bad offensive lines right now. This just It's either bad offensive lines 
a good a good uh, defensive front. Although the Giants not a good defensive front. Uh, I mean the defense was led by Andrew Winkle, Dinkle, Van Ginkle. He was all over. He when he was all over the field. Van Ginkle was for the Dolphins, like on every single play. Uh, one, you know, four sacks for the defense. He had one of them. But I feel like you know, whether it was a running play, whether it was just a short pass to the tight end, I felt like he was getting there, involved. I mean, this game feels like it could have been a much easier Dolphins win if Sanders doesn't miss the two field goals. But again, like the one block was crazy. Uh, I think the Dolphins can win the Super Bowl. I love Mike McDaniel as a play caller. He's so smart. He's so creative. This team is so fast, and it's hard to match up with. Now, credit the Belichick because him, his like all these Jones they have at cornerbacks, Christian Gonzalez, who looks like an absolute stud already, uh, all were really good. Uh, but at 0-2 Patriots, welcome to life as a regular NFL fan, man. Uh, I, you know, I think they'll bounce back from 0-2 and be competitive in some games, but uh, like... You know, this is just maybe like 7-10, and 8-9. and nine. This just is not a very good Patriots team. Two more games, Monday Night Football. We're going to quickly move on to, and then we're going to wrap things up with my power. We're gonna, all right, we're going to do my power. We're going to do Monday Night Football recap, my power rankings, week three, pick, week three quick picks for week three, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, Saints-Panthers quickly. The Saints defense is elite. Uh, if not for a garbage-time touchdown, they would have. They were about to go two straight weeks without allowing a touchdown. With just like I think it was whatever eight field goals through two games, pretty impressive. Uh, they made life tough for tight for Bryce. Made life really tough for Bryce Young. Four sacks. I don't even know how many pressures they got on him. Uh, the you know Bryce Young. See, they, they, things don't look great right now. Frank Reich. The play calling is questionable. The offensive line's not very good, and he and his receivers. Then his receivers just can't seem to get open. Uh, and the both offenses didn't look good in the first half. The first half was super boring. I was I was watching the first half from the sky actually. Once back in the day, all those planes had Direct TV, and like you never see that anymore. But this flight actually did have Direct TV, so I was able to watch the start of Saints Panthers. Some questionable play calling on both sides of the ball. Like at one point, they threw a three. A th- the Panthers threw a screen to Adam Thielen. What are you doing throwing a screen to Adam Thielen? That dude is like almost as slow as I am. Uh, you know, the, you know, the first half, the Saints, uh, they're doing a lot of runs with Taysom Hill, and every Taysom Hill run was getting stuffed because when he runs the ball, it's pretty obvious. When he comes in, it's pretty obvious what the play is going to be. Uh, Carr struggled early, but in the second half, Olave got more involved. They got two rushing touchdowns from Tony Jones Jr. after Jamal Williams leaves the game, and that's frustrating because I had a th- I had a same game parlay. Two legs hit. The other third leg was a Jamal Williams anytime touchdown. I had a tweet that kind of went, that blew up a little bit about why Jamal Williams wasn't in his the goal line uh, when he had 17 touchdowns last year. Obviously, it ends up being because he's hurt, but that's annoying. And especially like they're not paying back. The sportsbooks aren't paying back. They're not like they're not gonna like you know credit us for having Jamal Williams when he got hurt. Very frustrating. I mean, I was dead wrong in the AFC South. The Saints defense, it's elite. It's going to carry this team. When Carr gets more comfortable in the offense, I think Olave, Michael Thomas will be a pretty good duo. And I was dead wrong on the Panthers. I, I, I think also, look, I like Bryce Young a lot. I see you, you see the plays. You see the arm talent. But I don't think Frank Reich is the right head coach for him, I'll be honest, because, again, we talk about Frank Reich, the mold that he likes his quarterbacks, Bryce Young does not fit that mold. Um, interested to see what happens with this team the rest of the season. And Brown Steelers, first off, prayers to Nick Chubb. 
Uh, that was a nasty, scary, disgusting-looking injury. Uh, you got to hope he's okay. Obviously going to miss the rest of the season. Uh, but perhaps I might have been too high on the Browns. And while the line was pretty good last week, the common, common theme of the week, bad, bad offensive lines as Deshaun Watson was sacked six times. Uh, and look, there, there was a lot on offense that was wrong with Cleveland. Uh, and there, there's a lot you can blame. Watson, he made a lot of bad throws, missing open guys. Uh, but it wasn't just all Watson making bad throws. He was on his ass most of this game. There was a lot of pressure coming from Alex Highsmith, coming from T.J. Watt. Uh, that was just forcing him into bad decisions. I mean, like, I mean, this Browns team has been known over the years for having a really strong offensive line, but they made like just, they really just made some porous. You know, there was a lot of just pressure in Watson's face, and he did not play well. The play calling from Stefanski was questionable. And uh, like here I went. I was declaring Cleveland AFC North champions after week one. And now I'm not sure. I don't want to be out on them just yet, uh, obviously. But like, it, it, Rodson's now played eight games. Russ is no longer an excuse for him. I get he has a battle line, but he had a battle line when he was in Houston. I think, I think his last year starting for the Texans, he was the most sacked quarterback in football. And granted, the Texans weren't winning that season, but he still threw like 33 touchdowns that, that year. Uh, shit, man, like, uh, I don't really know what to think on Cleveland. I'm not as high on them as I was, not out on them, uh, and I'm worried how this team's going to do without Nick Chubb. I mean, Jerome Ford was pretty solid last week. The defense has been better, but the team also had its fair share of injuries yesterday. Greg Newsome, Miles Garrett, uh, Zadarius Smith. Uh, I think Jeremiah Owusu, Koromaya all went out with in, all, all I'm thinking with injury. I think I think all those guys. I mean, I remember some of those guys leaving. I could be uh, missing a few guys or getting those guys. Some of those guys a few wrong. So a lot they lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball there. I don't know how serious any of those guys' injuries are. I mean, obviously it happens in football all the time. But a tough, tough loss for the Browns and the Steelers team. Like this is one of those things in the preseason which I loved about the Steelers that that defense would just carry the team, and oh man, did they ever. And not only that, they carried my fantasy team to victory late on Monday night. I mean, T.J. Watt is just a freak. And I, and I was talking a bit about Micah Parsons being a game wrecker, being you know, one of the most impactful de defenders in all of football. I think I'd put T.J. Watt just slightly over him in that category because we saw the Steelers last season without T.J. Watt, the defense struggle. And then when he came back from his injury, immediately they got better. And even this game, I think uh, right after he had the fumble recovery return for a touchdown, he was, you know, ran. They took him off the field for the first two plays, and Browns ran it well. Uh, now, this defense isn't perfect. I love this defense. They, I mean, I love, I love what this defense can do. They can get home after the quarterback. Again, they were elite getting after Watson all game long. T.J. Watt's so good. Alex Highsmith's really good. It feels like they found another just, you know, few good pass rushers at the Steelers. They're one of the, I feel, the Steelers are one of those teams, much like the Ravens, that just always manage to find and pull good pass rushers out of their ass. Uh, I mean, who else was involved in this game? I mean, Larry Obunjai had a good, nice sack. Marcus Golden, former Giant. Uh, overall, just, I mean, all, every, six different guys had sacks. They had the nice interception. Uh, but there were still at least some question marks. The run defense wasn't very good. Prior to his injury, Nick Chubb was running really well. Jerome Ford, we saw him at one point have a 69-yard touchdown run, just gashing the Steelers' defense completely. 
Uh, and I still have my worries about this offense. So, like, I, you know, even though I was glad to see the Steelers win because that was big for my, I think Steelers are going to make the playoffs agenda. Uh, I, I, there's still some cause for concern. Kenny Pickett does not look very good. Was just 15 of 30, made a lot of porous throws. I mean, you know, numbers would have been a lot worse if Pickens didn't carry him on a couple plays uh, with some long touchdowns. Uh, a little worried about that team on on the offensive side of things. The offensive line wasn't really good either. Pickett was under pressure quite a bit. Najee Harris looks absolutely washed in just his third season. Uh, but the defense, their second, their secondary needs to get better too. Obviously, it's a, uh, you know, very. There's some inexperience there with Joey Porter Jr., who had that questionable pass interference. Was it pass interference? Was it not last uh, at the end of the game? Patrick Peterson, who's been around the league for, I mean, since I was in middle school, uh, and Levi Wallace, who definitely made some good plays yesterday, and Minka Fitzpatrick, who left the game with injury. I mean, Cam Hayward, uh, him coming back for the Steelers, if he comes back, will be huge. I mean, that's definitely a reason why the run defense wasn't great. Uh, so, yeah, like the Steelers defense seems like seems to be a version of that Cowboys defense we saw a couple years ago that was takeover heavy but would give up the big play. Uh, but I still like the Steelers team a lot. I think they're going to be in the postseason. Uh, the Browns team, I think they can be in the postseason. I think they can be good, even without uh, Nick Chubb. I think that offensive line, I mean, the thing is – Everything for the Browns that I think it's, for, it's just the Browns. It's for them. They have the guys there. I mean, Stefanski is a coach of the year. He's a guy that's been a good play caller in the past. They have Deshaun Watson, the guy who's through, who's been a Pro Bowl, top five level quarterback in this league. They have an offensive line that at one point was considered the best in football. I mean, they lost Jack Conklin, which hurts, uh, but maybe. You know, is but you know, all the, maybe the line, maybe they got there and up, and maybe the line has been up there in age. Maybe the maybe it's out on Stefanski how to stop him. Maybe Watson, after a year and a half out of football, just isn't the same guy anymore. Who knows? I mean, this Brown team, they might just be cursed, and it could just be they are the Browns. All right, I'm gonna quickly wrap wrap up here. Power rankings. I'm not gonna give in the whole spiel, uh, but let's see. So just quickly. Uh, NFL power rankings, one is the 49ers. I just think they're so explosive everywhere. Two is the Cowboys. They've dominated their opponents in the first two games. Defense is really good. Three is the Eagles. Just talent everywhere. Jalen Hurts and the offense look to, leave left right, look to be right where they left off last year. Four is the Dolphins. I really believe in this team. I believe in Mike McDaniel. I believe in Tua, Jalen Waddle, and the speed this offense has. The front seven, that secondary when they get Jalen Ramsey back. Uh, the Chiefs. As long as they have Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, they're going to be fine. Six, I have the Ravens. I am. They, I was very worried about this team, how they respond with all the injuries, but here they are, 2-0, playing very good defense, and this is before Lamar Jackson is fully adjusted to that offense yet. Seven is the Jaguars, despite the loss to the Chiefs. I still think this is a team that's very good, has a very good quarterback, and I love their weapons and is just waiting to catch their footing. Eight is the Saints. I think the Saints, I mean, again, if they didn't give that garbage time touchdown against the Panthers, they don't allow a touchdown on the year. They're going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL this season, which should carry them to the playoffs in an easy division. Uh, so that's the top That's the top eight. Uh, nine is the Buffalo Bills. Uh, again, I think, you know, the Bills, from what I saw, that, that I, what I saw them against the Jets is the worst version of the Bills that worries me about them. What I saw against the Raiders is the Bills team that I picked to win the Super Bowl last year. So for now, I'm going to put them at 9, but they could easily fall down if we see more of what we saw last week. 10 is the Lions. Again, I, I chopped that loss to Seattle up as Seattle, their backs against the wall. 
and the Lions just losing to a team they always lose to. 11 is the Buccaneers, a team that has impressed me a lot so far, especially with Baker Mayfield, with Mike Evans. 12 is the Falcons. While I'm not sold on them, 2-0 is 2-0, and they're playing a style of football that has definitely been shown to you know, get a team into the postseason before. 13 is the Packers, a team that just lost to them. I do like this Packers team a lot still, and I think when they get Trishan Watson back, when they get Aaron Jones back, it's going to help Jordan Love. 14 is the Steelers. Uh, I because of that defense, I think that they'll be able they'll get better as the season goes along. I think Pickett will, you know, won't be as bad as he was last night every night. Even though I don't think he's great. Fifteen, I'm still keeping the Browns there, and sixteen, the Bengals. You know, keep, keeping some stock in that AFC North division, that I still think is very good. But right now for them, like cautious, optimistic on them. Seventeen is the Commanders. I like what I've seen out of them a lot. And this 2-0 start, I feel like I might be underrating them for sure. But I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Sam Howell fan. 18, the Titans. They've got it off to a good start. They have Rabel as a good coach. They their, their win on Sunday was what we've seen from them the last couple of seasons. This is a team that with their schedule in a week at AFC South can maybe sink their way into the postseason. 19 is the Patriots. Even though they're winless, they've honestly played pretty competitive in their two games. Uh, and I trust Bill Belichick, and honestly, I'm going to tr- move them lower and say 19 is the Giants. Uh, just th- I might just be biased, but f- the resiliency I saw from the Giants in that game against the command against the Cardinals, big, big win. 20s the Rams. Uh, I debated putting Seattle ahead of them, but the Rams beating them the way they beat them with Puka looking really good. This Rams team could end up making the playoffs and surprising people. 21 is Seattle. Uh, again, even though they won, they had a big win against the Lions. It's not their brand of football. We're not used to them. They're, they're not going to be a good team unless they win playing their brand of football, which is running, decent passing, not turning the ball over, and playing great defense. Uh, 22, I have the Patriots. Even though they're 0-2, I think that they are you know better than 0-2 defense, and they still will Belichick. Uh, you know, 23, the Vikings at 0-2. They look lost on defense. They played some sloppy football. 24, the Raiders, after they got blown out last week. I really am not a fan of what I see from them. 25 is the Chargers. I just think Staley and them are a mess. They can't get out of their own way. 26 is the Jets. I just think Wilson, after what I saw, he's going to be rough, and they have that rough schedule. 27, the Colts, although I'm somewhat high on AR. Don't love the roster. Broncos are 28. Are 28. Worried about this team again. 29, the Panthers. Yeah, it might be rough, rough stretch for Bryce Young. I don't know how he fits well into Frank Reich's system. 30, the Texans. They just have a roster that's not very good. 31, the Bears. They stink. 32, the Cardinals. They stink. Uh, anyways, those are my quick power rankings. Moving on now, we're going to quickly do my week nine, or excuse me, my week three picks. All right, so Thursday night, we got the 49ers and the Giants. I mean, the Niners are just going to beat us. I know that. I would take them to cover the 10.5-point spread. And I would probably go under 45 because I don't think our offense is going to score more than 13 or 14 against San Francisco. Maybe 17, but I'm not confident in our chances against them. Uh, Titans at the Browns. I would take the Browns in this game, but I would probably take the Titans plus three and a half on the spread just because uh, the Titans, I feel like they always tend to play the Browns well. And it's going to be a gritty team. Both these teams play good defense. I think the Browns offense hasn't looked good so far, so I'd also go under 40.5. Falcons are at the Lions. I would take the Lions in this game. I'd take the Lions by three. You guys know I've been crapping on the Falcons. And then I would also take over 46. I think both these offenses can move the ball. 
Saying to the Packers, I'm going to take the Packers in this game. Packers minus two and under 43 and a half. We know the Saints team historically struggles playing outdoors, although I did see a set. They have the best road record since 2018. Or some, some year. I forget exactly what year it was. Broncos at the Dolphins. I would take the Dolphins. I would take the Dolphins minus the six and a half. I think they're going to run the score up against this Broncos team. I know the Broncos team is going to accomplish much against this Dolphins front, and that for that reason I'd go under 48. Chargers at the Vikings plus one. I would take the Vikings to win this game both ways. I just I mean it seems that this Chargers team they are always going to find ways to lose, and I would take over 54 in this game because they're both these defenses stink. Uh, Patriots at the Jets. Take the Patriots. May take the Jets plus three, but under 37. Colts at the Ravens. Uh, take the Ravens in this game. They're going to win. They're just a better team than the Colts. Right now, the spread is seven and a half. Uh, I would probably also take the Colts. I could, I could see the Colts giving within a touchdown. But if it goes down to seven, take the seven or anything under seven. Take the Ravens. And I think, you know, go over 44. I think maybe we could see Shane Steichen getting a touchdown or two against this team. Panthers at Seahawks minus six and a half. I like the Seahawks to win this game at home, but I still like the Panthers to be frisky and cover this spread. Still not giving up my hope on Bryce Young. I think the Panthers might score a little bit against this defense. Seahawks might run the ball a lot this game against a Panthers run defense that's been horrid through two games. So go over 42 and a half. Bears at Chiefs. Take the Chiefs. Take the Chiefs minus 13. I think they'll dominate the Bears. I don't think the Bears offense. I don't trust Justin Fields enough to do anything, so I'd go under 47 and a half. Cowboys at the Cardinals plus 12 and a half. Cowboys, Cowboys under 43 and a half. I think Cowboys might just shut out the cards this game. Steelers at the Raiders plus one. Take the Steelers money line. Take the Steelers minus one. Take over 44 and a half because I think the Raiders defense is not good and the Steelers might have their way with them. Eagles at the Bucks. I would take the Eagles in this game. I just as much as I hate them, they're just much better than the Bucks. But it's in Tampa Bay. It's on. It's in Monday night under the light. Baker's looked good this season. They just lost Avante Maddox for the year. I would take the Bucks five and a half in this game, and I'd also take under forty six because I think this could be a defensive battle. And the Rams are at the Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to win this game. Uh, it's one and a half point spread. I'd take the Bengals, and I would take over 43.5 because I like what I've seen from the Rams' offense, and I'm a little worried about this Bengals' defense. And I think the Bengals are going to have a get right game on offense. So that's it. That's all, you know, a lot to talk about from an exciting pack, you know, exciting, high scoring, thrilling week two. Uh, lots of going on in the NFL, lots of 2 0 teams, not too many 0 2 teams. Floretha 101 teams. But again, go follow the Birds of You podcast on Instagram for all my latest episode releases. Go follow J Birds of You on Twitter for my latest live reactions to games and news. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.